Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you as always for tuning in. Today is Best Served Podcast 294. We're talking are stages exploitative? Are they valuable? Where and how in that process of the hiring process? So many different opportunities and horror stories we've been hearing. We really need to start to understand and evaluate the way that we're communicating, interacting, the expectations that we're setting. And so we're going to dig into that a little bit. You know, I've told on myself multiple times that I've been a part of the solution and the problem in this so many times, thinking that I had these brilliant ways of hiring people and spent a lot of time thinking about skills and I needed to spend more time thinking about attributes. And I think we got a couple of people today that are going to give us some thinking on both sides of the equation. I read through probably a little over a thousand comments in multiple Facebook groups doing what I always do. You guys know I ask questions. I am just hyper curious and reading through, trying to understand, trying to get to how we move forward in this industry. And there's a couple things I want to lay out. I want to take a few things of the stage, the working interview out of the equation. The stagiaire, the classic long-term, think internship, apprenticeship, uh, very much born out of the haute cuisine style of, of French kitchens. And I want to think about that separately. If there is an educational base that's ongoing, that's bringing value in that way, we're not going to talk about those. Those are something separate. I also don't want to spend too much time talking about the fucking trash that is people who say you're coming for a working interview and they have zero, zero uh, opportunity for an actual job. They're just trying to get free labor because they're understaffed. And so I want to cut them out of the equation. There, There is no discussion about the fact that that happens and it is not okay. And places like that need to be shut down. Absolutely. I'm just going to throw those two things out of there. In the meat, in the middle, there's a lot to unpack. All right. What I found from reading so many, so many comments is are stages, working interviews, valuable exploitation? The answer is both. The answer resoundingly was both. There was people on all sides of that equation. And what we found more and more and more was at a certain level, being able to go in, see how things actually work, demonstrate some of your abilities, the way that you interact with the team, seemed like there was some value there. And then there was very quickly, when it came to time, an exchange of value, either compensation or education, and you extend it past that, it very quickly jumped off a cliff into exploitation and not the value exchange that would be expected. So those are kind of the big themes that were pulled out from reading so many of your comments in different groups and, and a couple of people who who interacted and I thought had very meaningful and an experience on both sides. We're going to talk to in this episode. All right. So first, I want to bring in Liliana Myers, who is in Denver. Liliana, good to see you. Hello. Nice to see you, too. All right, we're going to dig into a lot of details. There's so much, as I mentioned, to unpack. I just want to start at the highest level for you, kind of thinking about both sides of the equation. 
because you also were like, I see it on, on both sides. For you, where's the value? For you, where's the exploitation? Kind of the simplest terms for you. Um, I see the value in like in knowing and seeing the actual what's going on in the kitchen, um, whether it is if I feel comfortable working in that environment, because not every kitchen is for every person, and whether or not you gel with the team, you know, what the expectation is of your job, uh, what a service looks like. I think those are all really important things. Um, but in the same token, I think that that doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing someone else's job that day. You're maybe helping out a little bit. You're, you know, seeing what it would be, maybe doing, you know, like cooking a steak or plating something, whatever it is, the job that you're applying for, you know, just seeing how you'll interact. But I don't think that means that you're doing a full day's work. I also don't think that means that you're being compensated for it. Just like in any job in any industry, you don't get compensated for your four or five interviews before you get to that job. Or when you're doing a tasting on the executive level, you know, um, kind of situation, I don't get paid to do my tasting. Maybe they'll reimburse me for ingredients. But they're not reimbursing me for my time to cook everything. And I think that's perfectly acceptable. But I think what you're saying is interesting. There's something that you mentioned that I, I think is, is important is, if it goes from you showing what you're capable of in, in whatever degree, and also for you to be able to equally learn what it's like, do you fit in with the team? Do you like the way that they interact? Do you actually then like the way that the food is produced? All these things. I think there's a valuable exchange there. When all of a sudden your labor is creating revenue and you're doing somebody's job, that's when it shifts, right? That's when it goes from an exchange of value to a transaction. And when yeah. you start thinking about people as a commoditized transactional asset, all of a sudden it shifts because now that is then forced labor to be able to make you money. So there's like an interesting dynamic there of, of who and where the actual value is. And, and the reality is we need to just have more meaningful and transparent conversations about that. What is the yeah. actual value? The, so I'm interested in that. I want to get in that more, but I want to bring in Michael, who's out in Kansas City, uh, to speak with us as well. Michael and Bourbon, the cat. I'm very, I'm fascinated in Bourbon's uh, perspective on this because I'm guessing you've had some long-term stages where you've had to leave the cat alone, and I bet Bourbon does not like that. So I appreciate uh, you bringing Bourbon on the uh, on the set with us. For anybody who's just listening, I apologize. You can't see the beautiful black cat and Michael looking like Dr. Evil, but it's highly entertaining. So Michael, same thing for you, just at the highest level, what, where you see the value, where you see the exploitation for you when you think about those two, and then we'll dig into all the details. Sure, so for me, there's a big difference between a stage or a working interview and what a lot of people seem to be complaining about online where there's exploitation. When I've done a stage, it's been, come in, watch what we do. Maybe you get to prep a little bit to help somebody out on a station, but no real restaurant is gonna ask somebody to come in and work a station for free. Like, I don't know you, I don't trust you. You don't know my recipes. You've not been trained by me. You know, yeah, that's it. exploitative if you're going that route. Like, I wouldn't trust you to brunoise something for my prep until I've seen what you can do. I might ask you to brunoise you know, a carrot or whatever to see if you understand what knife skills are and see how long it takes you and see what kind of, you know, an effective culinarian you are. But 
I'm not going to expect you to brunoise, you know, 50 pounds of carrots and then use that as part of a garnish for a dish, for example. That's and so, here, and so Michael, I'm interested in that because it, it sounds like what we really need is some some clarity around definitions here. I mentioned the stagiaire and that gets lumped in because stages we just kind of started using as a catch all term for working interviews. We're, we're talking about because here's the reality. Like, and I think all three of us have probably been in these situations and we've seen it at restaurants we've been at and maybe it wasn't our place or our role to do anything about it. But people have been stuck in the basement chopping onions for four hours. People have been stuck doing that shit work and saying that's, oh, I'm going to see, I'm going to put them in this adverse situation and see how they handle it. It's not an adverse situation. That is pure exploitation. The Brunoise as a skill set versus it being commoditized into that station so the understanding that how do how do we reconcile that because to your point you you're getting lumped in now of the stage if you're doing something meaningful with everybody else who's saying you're doing a stage and working interview and this is the industry standard and the reality is they are completely exploiting that yet we don't know because we just say oh i guess that must be the industry standard how are you kind of setting an expectation to reconcile that because we know it's happening right so I've worked for a number of Michelin-starred restaurants and places with five stars, five diamonds from Forbes and AAA. And those are the type of places that have set up stages, obviously based on a European system, where it's it's about you coming in and you get to see how we operate and does that work well with your style? And you know, 20 or 40 people get to watch you and how you interact with everybody and are you polite? Do you work clean? Do you ask the right questions? Are you intuitive? You know, and then after you go away, these people get together and they decide, is this somebody that we want to bring into our team? Right? At the end of Little Washington, for example, you're told ahead of time when you know when you apply and get a response that you'll be brought out and you're gonna spend over a period of 48 hours. 24 of those hours are going to be in the kitchen. So you know you have two 12-hour days in front of you. And on the first day, you go in, and you're basically told you're going to watch everything. You know, they fit you for a uniform so that you fit in with the kitchen because it's it's a kitchen that guests are going to come through, and they don't want you to look different from anybody else. But they'll pair you up with somebody, and you're basically watching them and assisting them with basic prep, watching what they do, asking some questions, and looking over their shoulders. They don't want you touching anything because they're putting up, you know, $135 a head tasting menus. And this was back 20 years ago. Yeah, there's very little margin for error there. Uh, one thing you're talking about, and I want to I want to come to Liliana and then come back to you. We're, what we're talking about now is a clear exchange of value because you may be doing mundane work at some of those places, yet everything they're doing is teaching you something to the nth degree. It is at the highest level. They even the way that they organize tickets, the way that they call in the kitchen, all of these things are huge learning opportunities. And so, from that perspective, if you are learning at that level, well, here's the reality: you're paying for culinary school. You're better off paying to. You're better off staging for free at a place like that to be able to get a position that's entry level than culinary school. I'll just say that outright for sure. Here's the the exchange of education now. I've even been in this position where we were very clear. We had an expectation of stages. I would make a point that myself and multiple other people would interact with them. Some people that were the best at what they did or the closest to it. And Michael, I know you got some, some thoughts around that as the way that people interact. 
And it was so, so important to us. Yet I know, I know there was absolutely times when I was in the shit that I misscheduled somebody and it was my day off and they did not get the value out of it. And that was a loss on my part and a loss on their part. It, they may have gotten the job. They may have added some value into them, but it did not meet the expectation that I had set for us. And that happens a lot for people that are well-intentioned. Then you have people that just say, come in and work. And every once in a while, they'll peek over your shoulder, but there's not an actual exchange of value. You're not learning anything. You're just put under the thumb for the sake of being under the thumb. So Liliana, I want to come to you with that. Education, how are you thinking about it? What should be the expectation? How do we have a clear exchange of value? Because education would be huge. What Michael's talking about, if you're learning at that level, well, yeah, that's worth it. If if you're sitting back there chopping French fries for three hours, that's yeah. not an exchange of value. And so I want you to think about that, the education. What should be the expectation? Um, well, I think part of that is just kind of being honest and upfront or even asking as the interviewer or interviewee, like, what is it that we're going to do tomorrow? You know, so that way you know what's going on. But I think that's a really great part about Sajas too, is I can tell how much you're taking away from the experience of being in the kitchen by the questions that you're asking as things are going on. There are people who are so much more observant than other people. So maybe if you see like a different way that the ticket system is working than you've worked at before, but you're not really acknowledging it and not asking why we do it that way. Well, to me, that seems like you don't, you're not really seeing everything that's happening. You're not taking it as an educational opportunity. Um, so I feel like that is a really like big thing with it. And I think honestly, and Definitely there have been times when you think you're going to have a full day to spend with somebody or how many hours. And then all of a sudden that's not what works out. But I think that's just, again, like to be honest and communicative with that, you're like, you know what? It turns out this day didn't really, isn't really working out the way I thought. And to just, you know, just to tell them, you know, like I'm actually really swamped and I'm sorry that I'm not giving you the right amount of attention because like anything, you know, especially kitchens, there's always some kind of like, crazy thing that happens. That's what I love about it. You know, there's always some weird thing that you got to figure out. And that's the same thing. But as long as you're honest with people about the situation that's in front of you, and what might be happening, even if that means rescheduling, or just you know, like, I'm sorry, like, we're not going to spend as much time today. Maybe you should come back later. Maybe, you know, this isn't going to be as long of a day because I can't spend time with you. Those are all just important conversations to have. Because then you don't have people who feel like they're being exploited if you're being honest with them about what you're going through, like whatever the situation is, you know? Um, so I think that that, you know, communication is just honestly the most important thing from both sides of it. Yeah, communication always the thing. Uh, so uh, when you're thinking about time, I wanna talk about time a little bit and then I wanna come to some process stuff as far as just the way generally we're shifting the stage, we're talking about it in a vacuum a little bit now, and I want to then zoom out a little bit because it is, it is part of function of a, of a multifaceted process to be able to hire somebody. And I think that whole system is fucked. Like we have just commoditized ourselves so much in this process. And so we've been talking about that through this, you know, resumes and how we've basically said, don't do this, don't do this, only do this. It can only be this and go only be this. And then we wonder why everyone's resume looks exactly the same and it says absolutely nothing, right? Mm -hmm. And so we've also done a lot of things, myself included, where we spent so much time overvaluing skills. I just think, I'll say it, I think we overvalue skills and we undervalue attributes. So the same thing, I ask questions out there. I'm like, what, what do you hold in the highest regard when it comes to an employee, when it comes to a coworker, when it comes to a boss? And everybody lists attributes. I want them to be a team player, good communication, 
teachable, punctual. These are all attributes. And then we turn around and say, how do you evaluate and give raises and promotions? And it's skill, 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 skill. And so basically what we're doing is we're saying, we say that we care about attributes, yet we value by the dollar. And let's not be real. The dollar does speak. We value people who are skilled. And so often we've been in the kitchens where it's the highly skilled asshole nobody wants to work with, but they're the most skilled. So there's a dynamic at play. So anyway, I digress, but I want to zoom out because both of you have good perspectives on this. I want to stay just in the stage for just a moment longer. The amount of time, this has come up a lot. A lot of people are like, yeah, if it's an hour, two hours, uh, that sounds great. If it's five, six, eight hours, that's a completely different scenario where now it's like, what is the return on my investment for my time uh, as somebody who's coming into stage? And the reality is, what's the return on investment for your time of being able to actually bring value to somebody who's coming in, spending their time with you? So time, Michael, how do you think about that? Obviously, you're going to the three Michelin star places. You're spending multiple days there. You're like staying on facility, all of those things. Let's maybe take that out of the equation a little bit. We're talking more contemporary, more run of the mill, even just high quality restaurants all the way down to you're working at a gastropub. I think it's, it's meaningful to understand what is a reasonable expectation of time for you? For me, it's one shift. I mean, in reality, I want to see, and that's how it was at you know, French Laundry and Per Se, where I was doing front of house stages, you go in and you do, you know, some of the, the setup work, you're basically trailing an employee there, seeing how they set up kind of what their standard is. I want to know if they polish their wine glasses, right? I want to know if they're going through and everybody's working on it, or if it's something that one person gets stuck in the corner doing, I want to see how they operate. And I want to see how that front of house operates with the back of house. Is it one big team that meshes well. And you're not going to get that if you show up for an hour, right? And I want to see what they're lining up. Tell me why. I'm So I'm super interested in that. I will tell you from my experience, it takes me about 17 minutes to see if somebody jives. And everything else to me is teachable. Like if I can't teach somebody to polish, the, re the reality for me is, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but the reality for me is that I don't know what training they've had previous. I am not putting the weight of understanding the value we put on any expectation of any part of the job on somebody's past experience. That should be my responsibility. I'm talking as, as somebody coming in to do the stage, I want to see what the business values. You know, as, as an operator, I don't necessarily have an expectation. I don't need them to stay necessarily an entire shift. But I want to set the expectation that we want you here for one shift because I want them to be able to see what lineup is like. I want them to be able to see what we do at the end of the shift if they're if they need to stick around. If it's a position that doesn't require that much, I want them to be there long enough to where they interact with the staff enough that the staff has thoughts about whether or not this person is going to mesh with the team. Uh, and that's really it. I don't yeah. need them to stick around if they're literally standing in a corner watching, but I want them to be able to stand in the corner and watch and observe and see what's the speed of the room like. You know, are you able, is this going to be something that's too intense for you? Or is this something that you think you're going to work well in? And I don't think at 17 minutes they're able to make an assumption because they want the job. They're going to tell you, yeah, absolutely. I can, I feel like this would be a good fit. Whereas yeah, I think I think what I'd say is like 
you just like you know if somebody you can tell by the way that they move in a very quick instant if they have that head on a swivel and some of those things you can tell from somebody picking up a knife and being like yeah i i see your ability i see the way that you uh, approach these things i think there are putting understanding certain situations that maybe like look you need to understand because this is atypical and if this is not something that you're interested in i completely understand that this is a different style and approach so i think understanding the points of emphasis that are that are atypical or very unique to that business for them to be able to see that like yeah if every single night i'm expecting you to climb into a grease trap and scoop out you know, the day's grease like and i'm not going to put that on the job description yeah there's a little bit of understanding of that Yet I think we know, like any, you could just, you just tell. I know the two of you. I could just tell the way that you hold yourselves that you're going to be able to have the mindset. And I think for me, it's like mindset versus skills. Again, you need to see enough of the skills to know that they have the ability to adopt skills, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that. Uh, and you're right. 17 minutes, you just have a feeling and a sense. It, it is not hard on paper that they're able to accomplish all of these things. I'm, uh, what I'm interested in is shifting the responsibility. And so again, let's zoom out, but I want to, I want to get a time uh, expectation from you. I'm interested in shifting the responsibility. Is it their job as a stage to show us what they have to offer us? Or is it our job as an employer to show them what we have to offer them? And I, yeah. I'm, I'm interested in who holds the responsibility. So, but first, Liliana, before we zoom out a little bit for you, the expectation of time. How do you how do you think about that a little bit? Um, well, it honestly depends on the restaurant. I think there have been times sure. when, like, when I'm working in New York and Michelin star restaurants, you know, I expect someone to put a day's worth of work in, whether that is between sitting down with the crew for family meal, sitting down with me for an interview, seeing the service all the time, all that stuff lumped it together. Um, sometimes you break it up over more than one day. Uh, depending on just your, you know, style. But I think that's important, especially, I mean, like, and this is a while ago now. I think part of that time thing is really important because if I if I have Saj coming in and after two hours they told me that they scheduled another interview later on that day and they have to leave, that's like an automatic red flag to me. Um, oh, tell me why. I'm interested in that. Multiple things. You didn't communicate that to me in the beginning when you set this up. So that to me is just not good. You, you know, it's just an expectation thing. Um, and I think it's a communication thing. You know, I, for a lot of times when I was younger, I, I would think to myself, well, obviously you don't really want this job that much. You're not that committed to it. As I've, you know, grown up more in this industry, um, I do understand, you know, people have things to do and everything, but it's the communication part of it. If you're gonna do something like that, you should be communicating to me that you have a time constraint and what the expectation that we have. So that way that those things don't happen. When you're in the middle of something and I like, maybe I was like, okay, we're gonna do this, 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 and this today. And that way we can see all these things. And then you tell me an hour in that you have to go. Well, now the reason that I have you here isn't being fulfilled. You know, like I didn't get to sit down with my interview with you. You didn't get to see how the team interacted. You didn't get to see the opening of service or whatever, because you didn't, you know, allot your time carefully. And to me, oh, this is really interesting. I, I want to take, I like, I feel like I need to have a new, another episode about exactly this. There's a fascinating thing you just mentioned. It's, it's about the responsibility because he, here's, here's the reality, especially like somebody is allocating their time. Like, do they have transportation? Like how much is it costing them to get there? There is a commitment there. And uh, I don't know the answer to this, but all of a sudden my head's like, 
well, you're not only uh, scheduling one person to stage. So the expectation is you're seeing multiple people. And if they're on the job hunt, the expectation is they're seeing multiple people. Uh, the communication at it all, everything always is communication. Yeah. Like that trumps all. It's like a value of everyone's time, not just the person who's interviewing, but also my time. Generally, if I have someone who's either starting their first day or an intern or, you know, someone who's working Sage, I can't do most of the things that I'm doing that day. And that's fine. I've scheduled, I've allotted my time that way. So by you saying that oh, all of a sudden I have to go, you're saying that you don't care about my time either. Here's, here's interesting. If I told you I had two hours and then was staging somewhere else, would you give me the stage? I would. If I knew what was going on, if you know, like we could talk about it, this is why I'm doing this. I have mm -hmm. like whatever. I have two days in Denver to get 10 stages done. You know, everything is understandable, especially if you know what you're walking into. It's the all of a sudden surprise that yep. I think is not acceptable. Yeah, and I couldn't, and, and on both sides, we've mentioned it. Like if I know what I'm coming into and what I'm gonna be doing, and if I'm stuck in the basement cutting onions, that's not a reasonable expectation based on the communication. And mm -hmm. if you're saying you're coming for a stage and I told you that that's gonna be a four to six hour stage, and then after two hours in the moment, you're telling me that that's no longer the case, that's a big that's a big breakdown in communication. So I appreciate that. All right, I want to zoom out just for a couple minutes with with each of you, uh, Michael. You mentioned something before we got started that I really really love. I want to see this this implemented more and more. the The interaction across a multitude of employees as part of the actual process. We don't include enough people. We sit in our ivory towers sometimes as chef, as GM, as SOM, whatever that is and think that we know exactly the plight of people at every single level. And the reality is we just don't. We've been removed from it for a minute. And so a lot of people that are that are feet on the street, whatever that means for whatever department in whatever part of the restaurant that they're working, has a real true understanding of the characteristics, the attributes, and even the skills that are needed to do that job well. And so you talked about involving more people. I want to touch on that for a little bit because I think the overall process, Liliana, you also have like you've, you're asking a lot of different types of questions in the interview process. You mentioned that to me before. So I'm interested in that. Michael, for you, why are you trying to implement and bring other people into the evaluation process, not just you as the ultimate decision hire making, decision maker in the hiring process? Excuse me. Because I'm ultimately cultivating a team that's going to give me a, a deep bench and allow me to open up more concepts and it's all about building the culture, right? So I'm going to bring in servers who are going to ultimately develop more skills, more education, and be ready to take on a leadership role, mm. either at the concept that they're at or at a new concept that I'm going to build because I'm not in it for one and done, right? I, there's, there's a lot more to it. Uh, so I've got a process that's adapted from one that uh, Dr. Bill Marvin put together ages ago, and it was called the Fool, or what was it, the, the Foolproof Food Service Selective System. And you basically start out with, like, if somebody's coming in wanting to interview, it's not a, a send me your resume or fill out this application. It's, I've got a packet for you that has a letter in there that's advice to applicants and it has the application in there and it's, you know, you read that letter and it says, don't fill this out now, take this with you, read through this letter and understand mm. 
you're getting yourself into. Yeah. And like number 12 on that little bullet point on that advice is we take staff selection seriously, you know, and we go through all this trouble of interviews and checking your background, et cetera, that because we're only going to bring the right person onto our team. I'd rather run with a short staff and limit seating and have the right people than get a warm body that I've brought in that I can't get rid of now. Yep. And, you know, on there, it says, if you need a job right away, this is not the place for you because it's going to take some time. You know, maybe you need to go find something temporary while you go through this process, but we've got an initial contact, you know, where we have a tracking sheet for each person that's coming in. So the host is watching, you know, do they have a pin? Are they dressed appropriately? Are they polite? Do they, you know, do they notice that there's maybe a piece of trash on the floor next to a trash can? Did they pick it up and put it in there? You know, little things like that that will give you an idea of how well they mesh with our values. And then as they go through, there's screening interviews. There's uh, tests that go with it to see, do you understand sanitation? Are you a professional that understands this, this business that we're in? Uh, and then we review the application. And then there's demonstration tests, you know. Simple things like, can you demonstrate that you have some of the skills that are required for this position? And, you know, that could be a stage in the kitchen. It could be uh, a simple, you know, five-minute test behind a bar to see, can you make a Manhattan for me? You know, something very simple, but I want to see, do you understand how to use bar tools properly? And, yeah, it's a skill that we can teach, but I want to evaluate where you're coming into this team, and it could be, well, you're not necessarily skilled enough to be behind the bar right now, but I could put you in a bar back position and train you. So maybe if if the attributes fit, and, and that's what my process is more about, is more time meeting with more people, whether it's a manager or a server or a cook or a host, anybody can do the interview because we have the questions written out and it's, you ask the question and then I've got a, on one side, it tells you, you know, here's a good answer and here's a maybe answer and here's a no answer, basically. You know, if it's, why do you think you'd be a good server? Oh, I'm friendly. It's like, well, that's kind of in the no category. That doesn't tell me anything. But if you're saying, I love to serve people and make people smile and take care of people and I work fast and clean, you know, it's like, okay, you you actually have the attributes that I'm looking for to move on because you're smiling about that and you're talking about how that makes you happy, right? Um, saying I'm friendly is like the the cheap way out and doesn't tell me anything about whether or not you can do the job. So anybody can ask these questions and anybody can kind of fill out, you know, what they said or how they interpreted those answers. And then again, it's there's time because when they go away, we sit down and talk about how did they do? It's on their tracking sheet and they fill it out. So it's it's a process that most restaurants don't do because most people in this business are all about immediate gratification. I want to interview now, work tonight, True. cash tonight, and walk out and be able to go to the bar because I got 100 bucks in my pocket. And, yeah. and on the restaurant side, too, we're an immediate transactional mindset, too. I like that you're including more people in the process. I think that is a super important white space that we haven't really evaluated. And and here's the thing, like 
and and I'll say for myself, I thought I had all the tricks and all these clever processes and stuff like that. And I spent more time worrying about the process than I did about the people that I was actually supposed to spend time evaluating. So I think one thing I would always say is like, it's not the system, it's the people who are able to adopt a system that ends up being valuable. And I think the more people you include in that, it also allows you to audit your own system. And so if a host is interacting with it and their expectation is different than yours, and I can just tell by the way you're talking about it that you are spending time not just implementing a system, but evaluating a system while you're using it to evaluate candidates, I think it is an important part of it because we're, it's not our job to manage pieces of paper. It's our job to, to manage people and lead people, right? So I think the thing is, I like a I always like a bad system over no system because a bad system you can improve. And the, the problem is we're just fucking gunslingers. We just are like, let's just get in there and mix shit up until everything's dead. And then we wonder why we get the same result every single time. So I, I appreciate that you're thinking about the dynamic differently, which is super important. Liliana, same question to you to kind of wrap us up here. Uh, you're asking a lot of different questions and it feels like a little bit more like you're almost trying to understand a personality test. Like you're trying to get to the core of the way that people communicate clearly is something so important to you. The way that people interact with each other, you know, who is uh, who's got a blue personality versus a red personality, like these kind of dynamic questions without them just being stupid, weird questions. Cause we've heard that where people are like, if you were, if you were a bird, what type of bird would you be? Like, I'm not talking about shit like that. So for you, what is that process? How are you thinking about it a little bit differently, even getting people to the stage point or coming out of that stage? What are you asking? Um, so for us at the restaurant, culture is the most important thing. And, you know, that is like building your team. So most of our interview questions are completely personality based. And they are like a little bit like almost off-putting at first when I did my interview, I remember being like, wow, no Oh no, do you ask what type of bird you are? Cause maybe no, I just no, shit it's on like your process, all right. <laughs> it's just things that I've never thought about before. Like for instance, so we have, we call them core values that we, you know, uh, really, you know, want to represent in the restaurant. So it's like respect, equality, responsibility, organization, all these things. And then we have about three or four questions based on all those core values to ask people. So like an example of one of them is like, when's the time that you failed to meet expectations and like, what did you do? So like a lot of them are geared towards like, I don't want to necessarily, I, I don't want you to just hype yourself up. I want to know like everyone does something wrong, you know, like what happened when you did it? What did you do to come over that? Um, how do you stay organized? Like what is your prioritize, like how do you prioritize your day when you get into work? Um, for us, harassment and having a zero tolerance policy for that in the restaurant is like our number one thing, honestly. So yeah. that is always a question. Like, how do you feel yourself contributing to an environment that does not uh, tolerate harassment of any form? Um, it seems like really small things, but it weeds out a lot of people. There are so many great chefs and cooks and people that I've worked with who would not be able to work in the environment of a restaurant, of our restaurant. Uh, we do not curse at work. Um, you don't, you know, we well, don't. That's got to be a challenge. I wouldn't, yeah. man, I wouldn't make the cut then either, do you? I know. It's really like, Not. there's a lot of things that like, you know, things that, I don't know, every kitchen I ever worked in, I've, it's just as part of the environment, you know? Yeah, respect. Um, I understand. And so we go through all these things. One of my favorite ones that I always add on at the end of the interview process is like, look, so we have these core values and I list them all down. Like, if you had three core values to like represent yourself, what would they be? And it's just, again, it's just getting to see how people react in certain things, how they think about themselves, 
because when it comes down to it, the culture in the restaurant is more important than anything. I want my team to be mm -hmm. happy. I want them to be comfortable. One of the number one. Oh, we lost you, Liliana. Yeah, robots. Hey, she was about to mic drop. I'll just give her credit for for a, a Jordan-esque fadeaway to finish the game. Uh, Michael, appreciate you. We're going to let you go as well. So thank you so much uh, for being on, for sharing. I know with Liliana and yourself, a lot more banter to come because I like just dynamic thinking in the industry. We're going to need that type of leadership. We're going to need to be self-evaluating. We're going to need to continue to evolve to build this industry. So Michael and Bourbon, wherever Bourbon went off to, thanks for being on the show. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. You too. All right, everybody. That is it for today's episode. Best Served Podcast 294. Important topic. I knew this was going to probably be the whole month worth of episodes because there's so much to unpack here. Really understanding at this point, kind of from the hiring perspective, what was happening and what the expectations are. Really challenging myself and ourselves in this process to, to be better, to do better. The things that we have built to this point uh, have not sustained us. And so we really need to be thinking about the future. You know, one of the things that we didn't talk about in this episode, but for me, I'm just going to leave us with this is like, the mentality of kids these days, big old air quotes, has to go away. We have to build sense of belonging. And the more time we spend focusing on those attributes, the culture that both mentioned, Michael and uh, Liliana mentioned, have to be paramount. It's something we can't just say. They need to be the way that we are every day, all day. Culture is the decisions you make when nobody is watching. And that's what we need to focus on. That's what we need to build. And for some of us who've been in the industry for 20 years, we found our people. We didn't fit in where everybody else fit in. We didn't want the nine to five. We didn't want the suit and tie. We didn't want the cubicle. We wanted something different and it galvanized us. We were Bourdain's Pirates on the Pirate Ship, the Band of Rebels, the Island of Misfit Toys. Yet there's some toxicity and vulnerability there. A lot of us like myself burnt out. So we have to reconcile with the trajectory we put ourselves in, the restaurant industry that we've built. And so much of it is not built to be equitable, profitable, sustainable. And so the stage and rethinking the way that we're doing working interviews and the whole process needs to be top of mind for us. We have to recognize that we got to call our own bullshit sometimes. And it's an important thing. It's hard. It's absolutely hard for me to admit that I've been part of the problem throughout my career as well as the solution. And now just focusing on the human experience has to be at the forefront. The relationships that we build are the only thing. The food, the beverage, even the service can be commoditized. The relationships cannot. That's what we're doing. That's what this is all about. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate you as always. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.